Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 332 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills answers your table tennis questions. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, I'm joined by Super Coach Alois Rosario. Welcome, Alois. Oh, thank you, Jeffrey, and welcome to all the listeners again. 332, that's a lot of shows. It is, isn't it? Yeah, indeed. And, and can't wait for 333. Yeah, I don't know. No, it's an unlucky number. Oh, really? Yeah, maybe we should just skip it. <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah, maybe maybe our next show will be 334. <laughs> yeah, it's not like 888, is it? Because that's no. obviously a lucky number. Exactly, exactly. What's your favourite number, Jeff? My favourite number? You know, well, I actually don't mind the number 13. <laughs> Me too. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Isn't that funny? That is funny. Yeah. There yeah. you go. Well, there when you I go. was a when I was a kid at school and you know I was playing cricket and I got to thirteen, I was like, oh, this is good because I can hit a four and then another four. I don't know. I always felt like I'd hit a four when I was on thirteen and just yeah, yeah. See, I won in uh, in in the in the eighties. I reckon. I, I reckon I won a, a raffle with a um with a ticket number thirteen, and since then I've always thought, oh, well, you know, thirteen's sort of lucky for me. There you go. There you are. See, <laughs> we've never discussed this. No, that's funny. Oh, dear. Right. Um, yeah. But anyway, Alois, last week, yep. I thought that a googie egg may have meant a double yoker. Yeah, no. See, this is why we got we got to check your facts, Jeff, because a googie, googie egg has got nothing to do with a double yoker. In defence of OMG facts, that wasn't from that. That was just my own personal opinion. No, no, they were they were Jeff Plum facts. That's right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, so so a gug, we we had we did a bit of research here. A gug, full as a gug, extremely drunk, unable to eat anymore because you're a full gug, abbreviated from googie, comes from the Scots goggy, g o double g i e, a child's word for egg. It's a variation on an earlier Australian phrase in the same sense. There yeah. you go, full as a tick. So, not, I, I don't, I don't see double yoker anywhere, Jeff. No, seems like I was, seems like I was wrong, huh? Well, there, there's always once. <laughs> Indeed, and it does seem more like a, a, of an Australian phrase, doesn't it? You know? Yeah, yeah, but the Scot, Scots are claiming it. The Scots so. as well. Yeah, 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 yeah. There you go. Oh well. Interesting. Any any Scots out there? You, if you know if you know what you're talking about, because we don't. But and uh, extremely yeah. drunk, like you're just full on it, full of alcohol. Yeah, there you go. Mm, that's another. Mm. Anyway, yeah. um, see, um, we are full of information here. <laughs> we are full as a gug of information. Yeah. No, no just <laughs> um, anyway, Alois. <laughs> yes, Jeff. Why did the chicken cross the road? Oh, to get to the googie egg? I don't know, Jeff. Why did the chicken cross the road? To get to the idiot's house. Knock, knock. <laughs> Who's there? The chicken. <laughs> <laughs> He's laughing, everybody. Yeah. Can you hear that? He's laughing. Uh, it's incredible. That's... <laughs> <laughs> yes, good joke. Uh, oh dear. All right. See, every now and then you're having a good day, Jeff. 
Oh dear. Yep. But what what everybody does want to hear, Alois, is what did happen on this day. Ah, yes, indeed. Well, on this day, well, sort of on this day, the 31st of August anyway, is, yeah, exactly, is the birthday of Feng Tianwei. Now, uh, Feng Tianwei is uh, also a teammate of Yu Ming Yu, whose birthday it was in our last show. Um, so Feng Tianwei from Singapore, also a member of that famous Singapore team that won the 2010 World Women's Teams Championship, um, and the last team to beat China at a world championship. So yeah, that was that's 10 years ago now. But uh, and Feng Tianwei, she's she's one of these evergreen players. She's still going. She's still going really strong. So um, yeah, it's uh, it's pretty amazing. So Feng Tianwei is. 34 years old this week. So, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, getting up there, but, uh, but yeah, still playing some really strong table tennis and still um, really highly ranked in the world. So, uh, Feng Chan Bei, wait, happy birthday. Happy birthday, indeed. Good one. All right. And, Alois, after the success of comment of the week, um, we have, we have one again. Yeah. Well, in fact, maybe two. Maybe because it's so this this segment is is going to be so good that we've got two comments of the week this week, Jeff. Yeah. Yes. So um, so I had one. So um, in um, in our um, uh, question on how to execute the Marlin serve. Oh, the one with heaps of backspin. Yes. And Toby Kim has come on and said, "Thanks for the video. The ball now comes back to the net faster." than when Marlene did it. So there you go, Toby Kim. We like it. Nice. Awesome. And then I, I found one on YouTube. Yep. In the match strategy, playing as a chopper, yep. Bruce said, I need every tip to beat my 80-year-old uncle. The man is a beast. <laughs> 80 years old? I know. And, and it seems like he's unbeatable. I mean, that's the beauty of table tennis right there, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. Like, yeah, uh, and it's it, interesting. Like, someone else um, during the week sent me a sent me an email and said, you know, he's um, he's just starting to play and he's think, you know, going down to a club. And he said, he said, well, I've just got to try and find a, an eighty year old to play. And I and I warned him. I said, well, they they are actually the hardest to play because they just <laughs> uh, they just give you a little bit of side spin and backspin and you know mix things up. And yeah, so. Exactly. Here's to all the eight, here's to all the 80-year-olds out there and 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 beyond. We've got some uh, some members that have passed their 80s and into their 90s. So indeed, uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, it, this is a game for everyone. But yeah, good comment. Who who made that comment? Uh, Bruce. Bruce. Good on you, Bruce. Yes. Um. You know what that means, Alice. I think it is time for the trill. Or, or tip and drill of the week. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's sort of it's sort of morphing more into just a tip of the week. But anyway, we'll we'll <laughs> see how we, we'll see how we go. So, my tip of the week this week is um, is about how to manage your expectations um, in a in a match situation, and in particular now when you're coming back after not having played for a while so you know out there there's there's quite a few people going back to clubs and um, getting a chance to start to play some table tennis again and I think um, I, I see this a lot uh, with players 
that, you know, even if they have a bit of a break, so they might have, you know, a one month or two month break or, you know, even, even sometimes uh, players come and talk to me, you know, I've had a, a break for three weeks when they're used to playing regularly and they start to um, almost expect, well, so, some, some players expect too much and it's almost like their memory of what they used to be able to do is a bit distorted. Um, you know, you, you feel like, oh well, you know, I used to, I used to be able to do this backhand top spins, and I used to play these forehands. We tend to forget the the ones we missed um, in, <laughs> in in those days. So I think, you know, just managing your expectations when you're coming back to the table, just take it for what it is. Take each ball, take each point, take each rally, just, just take each feeling for how it how it is at the time. Um, you know, rather than thinking about, oh, well, I used to be able to or, I, you know, I should be able to. Um, and I think that's that's a really important thing. And we also see this, you know, a, a lot of our members are players that uh, or people that have played, you know, when they were young in their teenage years, perhaps in their university years and then life and um, everything got in the way and they haven't played for a while. And they might come back to the game at, you know, 40, 50, 60, 70 years old. And again, it's just those expectations of, I used to be able to do that. I used to be able to do, you know, top spins and back spins and serves and all that sort of stuff. But I think, um, yeah, just really managing your expectations of where you are right now. And, uh, and you know, don't sort of think back and, uh, and look at it with uh, rose-coloured glasses, I guess. Yeah, yeah, good point. And I guess that's just going to increase your enjoyment, isn't it? Like you, you want to play for – obviously people want to win as well, but you want to enjoy it. And, and if you're just too hard on yourself, that can really diminish that enjoyment. Yeah, exactly. And, and yeah, really, you, you, don't, you don't tend to lose too much um, over time, you know, but I think – uh, it's just those the thoughts of what you used to be are often a bit distorted. So, um, mm, yeah, okay. yeah. So good yes, tip. yeah. So hopefully that'll be a good tip for people that uh, some of you out there are starting to get a chance to go back and to play in clubs again. Yeah. Um, you know, just take just take each session as it comes. Just take each uh, point and rally and match that you get a chance to play as it comes and and uh, yeah and just see where you are right now. Yeah, all right, great tip. Okay, well, that now brings us on to the questions. Okay. And, and first up is a question from Gary, who says, Hi, Alois. I was playing in a round-rob tournament at my local club, and one of my opponents was blocking the view of the point of contact with his free hand while he's serving. And Gary says he's more advanced than I am, and he probably would have beaten me anyway, but I could not return his serve because I couldn't see because his hand was in the way. He wasn't sure if it was intentional or not, and he just wants to know, um, you know, what is the etiquette for this type of situation? Because he doesn't want to just go and accuse the person. He wants to do it in a tactful way. So what are your thoughts there? Well, the first, my first thought is that the service rule is really um, – difficult and awkward um and it creates situations like this but but for you gary i think it's um a matter of you're trying to uh, handle it in the best way possible i would even you know perhaps talk to the player after the match um 
maybe you know if if they're in a club situation you're probably seeing them around a bit and um and just you know say to them oh i was really finding it difficult to to see the ball when you were serving um you know can you serve a few to me and and so i can have a look again um and I, I think if you do it that way, I, I think in the heat of battle, it's always difficult, isn't it? You know, like if, if you're in the middle of a match and you start um, throwing it out there that, you know, you can't see the serve. But, I mean, on the, flip, on the flip side, you know, if it's really troubling you and if you feel like it's giving them an advantage, then it's okay to say something as well, um, especially if, if there's an umpire and, you know, if, if it's a more official type of match. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, just um, just question it. You know, and I'd I'd almost speak to the player rather than the umpire. You know, just say, oh, you know, you know, without accusing them and and just without assuming that they're doing it deliberately. Um, just uh, if you if you can bring it up, it's it's such a difficult one. And as I said at the start, it's it's brought about just because of the the nature of the service rule too that makes it really difficult. You know, it's hard for the umpire to tell. Um, what what's going on from from the umpire's position um yeah it's not an easy one no it's difficult isn't it and i wonder if it's less common these days because when the rule was first came in like players were used to hiding it on purpose because it was allowed and then they had to change their service actions completely but nowadays players are kind of uh grown up with that rule but i guess they still push it don't they like to gain an advantage where possible. Yeah, so, yeah, definitely. I mean, some players will push that, you know, at club level, I don't know. Um, I guess they do as well. Um, but, yeah, I guess it's, you know, about getting to know the person and um, and just seeing whether, whether you know, you feel like they're doing it deliberately or if it's just, you know, part of their action and they've never been told that they yeah. um, are hiding the serve or, you know... Uh, their opponent can't see it and I think it's you know it, it's almost you could look at it as you know helping them to just develop a, a proper serve as well mm, yeah exactly by, by bringing it to their attention you know it might come up in an important match for them uh one day too yeah and they will get faulted but yeah exactly yeah. and if you haven't practiced not doing it it's actually hard um so just on that, like, so they've brought in the rule because it was really difficult for players to see. And so has that been a positive change overall to the game, do you feel? Uh, I don't, yeah, I don't really feel like it has. I think they need to go one way or the other. They need to make it really clean or just let players serve how they want to. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I mean, either the ball's got to be completely in front of your body and, um, you know, nothing's allowed in the way between um, between the uh, the ball and the um, receiver or the net. Um, yep. Or, uh, or you just, you know, let players serve how they want to. Um, yeah. It's so interesting, it's isn't it? it? Yep. And, like, from a spectator view, is it bad when – a player doesn't return a serve or, or do people kind of, are they say, well, well, that was a good serve. So, yeah, I'm not sure that it's a bad thing to be able to um, play, serve an unreturnable serve. I think, I think, yeah, I, I, like in tennis, you know, you see a lot of unreturnable serves um, yep. and people sort of marvel at it, but 
they can also understand it because it's speed. You know, they, yep. they just see and and tennis is great because on the on the little board they say you know 225 k's an hour and everyone yep. says oh wow. Um, in table tennis, it's so difficult to see the amount of spin. And and then sometimes it's a no spin serve that gets you as well because it's the variation between the 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 spin and the no spin that that makes it difficult. So yeah, it's 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 subtle. And I think from a general spectator's point of view, it um, it is difficult. I know I know the ITTF were talking a while ago about you know trying to create some um, uh, Spin video. readers, weren't they? Spin readers, yeah, that's it. Yeah, something something that could actually flash up the amount of spin on the ball, um, you know, as soon as someone served it. Revolutions um, per second. Yeah, revs per second. Um, and But I think they need a lot of cameras to be able to do that. Um, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I've talked to a couple of people and, yeah, they've said it's, it's not that easy to do. But, um, I mean, yeah. it's possible. But, um, yeah, it's probably a lot of cost. But I think, I think it's something that would really – Add to the the spectators' experience. Yeah. And also, um, you know, the the players, or oh, sorry, the spectators would understand what's going on and and appreciate um, what's happening out there. Because because yeah. really, I mean, when when um, a non-table tennis player walks into a hall and sees um, you know the top player in the world just pushing the ball into the net off a slow serve that didn't look like it was doing very much. Um, it's hard. It's really hard to fathom. It is, but I'm not sure that it matters too much because then they do still see the good rallies. And then if they ever just face one of those serves, they're like, oh, my goodness, how can you ever return that? So it doesn't take a lot to educate people how difficult it actually is to return a, a really spinny serve. They've just got to face one and then they're just like, oh, my goodness. Yeah, true, true. But, yeah, mm. I, I guess, you know, it's either education of the general public um, yeah. Yeah. Or or changing something else. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I don't mind your suggestion either about like going the other way and just having it so. Yeah, it just has to be totally clear. Yeah, that would be interesting as well. But anyway, big discussion point, and yeah, thanks uh, for bringing that up, Gary. All right. Um, next up is a question from Toby, talking about the Marlin Ghost Serve Alloys, oh, and he says. Whenever I try to execute the Marlin Ghost serve when no one is around, it is very spinny. But when I play in front of my opponent, the serve is 50% less spinny and sometimes doesn't make it over the net because I'm very nervous. Is there a way to fix this problem? Yeah, that's a that's an interesting one, isn't it? And I think um, the 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 key there is that you need to um, Put yourself under pressure when there's no one around as well. So um, it's it's definitely a lot easier to do it, you know, in the in the seclusion of your own lounge room or wherever, and and get that contact right. Um, but as soon as there's a little bit of um, pressure on, what happens is that your hands, your fingers, your wrist um, all start to all start to just tighten up a little bit, and that little bit of tension there will change the angle of your racket completely. So, mm -hmm. and it really doesn't take much to um, 
to throw off the ability to make that perfect contact to get that ball to come back towards you um, quickly like uh, like Marlin does. So, so the first thing is to focus on the angle that's required, the angle of your bat that's required when you're in the safety of your own home and, you know, or safety of your training environment. And then start to put yourself under a little bit of pressure in that training environment so that you're starting to feel that tension and be able to deal with that tension um, in your fingers and wrist and hand um, to then be able to control that tension and be able to um, get the angle of your racket just right to be able to execute that Marlin serve. It's not, a, not an easy thing. No. Um, it's such a, such a fine skill. Yeah, and then, like you said, there's some good ways to do that, isn't it? Like, you could just challenge yourself to get three good serves in a row. Um, Maybe you could just say, oh, I'm playing in the final of the World Championships and it's 10-all and this is the serve, I've got to get it right now. Just, I guess you've got to find something that works for you, though, don't you, that adds that bit of pressure. Yeah, absolutely. You know, just, um, yeah, challenge yourself, as Jeff said, to, you know, doing three in a row or just challenge yourself or, or, you know, just get your – get your – brother or sister or mum or dad or whoever to come and just stand there and just stand up the other end of the table um while you do it a couple of times that just that, to watch you yeah yeah that, that and, then, and what did you think about the visualization idea does, does that work for you or yeah that can that can work as well you know it, it's all those little things that can help so you know just visualizing the the um yourself doing and feeling that uh that perfect contact of the of the marlin serve as well yeah Okay, good one. Now, very related to that is a question. It's an older question, Alois, but Gurav a while ago asked exactly how do you do that Marlin serve? Like, how do you get that heavy backspin serve so it can would roll back into the net if no one was receiving it? What are the key points? Yeah, so the the, the key point, as we talked a little bit about in the previous question, is that you have to get the angle of your racket tilted almost back towards the back wall Mm, so so not even flat even tilted back a bit more yeah i think i think you know eventually it is basically flat but off most of the time the perception of where your racket is um is a little bit different to where it actually is and that's why i say to players just imagine yourself almost tilting it well actually tilting it back towards the back wall and trying to brush up the front of the ball if you can mm. understand what I mean. So you're coming underneath the ball and almost scooping up um, in in the front of the ball. Um, and to start off with, just get the ball to come back towards you. So don't worry about trying to um, serve the ball perfectly like Marlin does. Just think about trying to get that um, contact right and get the ball to come back towards you. And once you get that feeling, then the Marlin serve becomes a whole lot clearer and and um and easier for you so so the so the real key is that brushing um brushing action under the ball okay cool and you know this is a bit of a um a bit of a serving uh ask the coach session here alice and it is such an important part of the game but toby also asks he says for some time i've been trying to do the side spin pendulum serve and he noticed when he contacts the ball on the side he contacts the lower area of the bat, 
and uses like lots of wrist and have arm acceleration, he gets a little side spin and sometimes some good heavy backspin. But he's looking for a good side spin serve that bounces off the opponent's racket. So how do you get that one that's, you know, really got a lot of side spin and shoots off to the side? Yeah. Uh, again, it's all about the angle of your racket on the contact of the ball. So, you know, in the pre- in the previous question, we talked about the Marlin serve and getting the ball with backspin. So to get that, you need to have your bat um, angled almost backwards and then uh, contacting the ball from there. For side spin, you need to have your bat almost vertical, especially for the pendulum side spin. Mm. So think about think about the nose of your bat or the tip of your bat pointing down towards the ground, the handle of your bat pointing straight up to the lights. So if you if you get the, the racket on that angle, then you're giving yourself a good chance to make some side spin. Now, again, the perception of where your racket is compared to where it actually is, is often the the biggest issue um i am working with a lot of players and trying to get them to do that as soon as i mean that you'll start with the bat in that nice vertical position but as soon as you throw the ball up and swing forward that angle will change initially so what i'd like you to do is just film three seconds of your serve just use your, your phone, whatever it is, and just have a look back at it and just see what the angle of your racket is when the when the uh, racket contacts the ball um, and see how vertical it is because that, that's the only critical thing. If you can keep that racket vertical, then you'll get side spin. If you don't keep the racket vertical, then you're going to get a different type of spin. Uh, interesting. Now that that technique, Alice, that sounds like a really useful one. Just filming yourself, um, just so you can see what it actually looks like um, when you're not playing yourself. Because, like you mentioned, that can often your perception can be often different to the reality. Yeah, absolutely. And and you know, yeah, you're right. I mean, you can use it with everything, uh, every skill in table tennis. Um, it's um, it's a really good technique, and it doesn't doesn't have to be. A long video, just you know, just um, video a few seconds, a minute or so, um, and then you'll actually see what what you're doing, and it's much easier to look at it with um, with external um, vision rather than you know trying to perceive that uh, for for where for what it looks like as well. So uh, I mean, should be yeah. your tip of the week next week, Alice. Oh, shh, don't tell anyone. That's that's it. <laughs> Um, so yeah, so just uh, yes, yeah, see if you can just uh, video yourself a little bit and see if you can um, uh, use that as as feedback. I mean, I think you also need to um, have a, a perception of of where your racket is and things, and you need to develop that as well um, because in a match situation you haven't got the benefit of you know watching yourself back. But I think, you know, watching yourself, getting the feel of, of what it feels like, um, going backwards and forwards between that, I think, can really help. Yeah, yeah. Excellent. All right. Good and tip. Think, and yeah. Thanks for yeah. that, Toby. Yep. Sorry, yeah. and, I, and I guess on a related point, you know, so um, our premium members send me 
um, videos of themselves as well. So yes. they send me videos of them playing. And with that, I can give them feedback, but then they can also have a look for themselves and um, and see exactly what I'm talking about um, and the, the, the ideas that I'm giving them as well. Absolutely. And we've had some really good success um, with that process. So if you are a premium member, yeah, take a video, send it in. And if you're not, sign up. And the only way you can sign up is if you go to pingskills.com. Yes, visit the website, pingskills.com. <laughs> All right. That was great. We're such good salesmen, Alois. Um, <laughs> no, but it really is useful. Um, now, um, it is time for OMG ah, Facts. Yes. Okay. All right. I'm going to write Here we out. go. I mean, everyone's been hanging out for this. Yeah. Yeah. They have to sit through the questions to get to this, but yeah. Exactly. I hope no one's fast-forwarding through the uh, questions. <laughs> because if you're here now without listening to the questions, you need to go back and listen to those questions, please. I thought you were going to tell them they need to go see a psychiatrist. <laughs> <laughs> well, actually, if you, if you are, you need to go back and actually listen to Jeff's joke today because <laughs> there was a modicum of humour in it. <laughs> Oh, dear. In most of the world's languages, the word for mother begins with the letter M. What are the chances? Well, yeah. <laughs> it takes 75,000 crocus flowers to produce one pound of saffron, which is why it is the most expensive spice in the world. What is it? Crocus flower? Is that where my saffron comes from? Absolutely. I thought it was just a saffron tree. Well, there you go. now so, thanks OMG Facts, you know something new. Yeah, 75,000 crocus flowers for how much? One pound of saffron. One pound, so 2.2 kilos. Yes. Wow. Okay. Wow. That's that's a that's that's a good fact. I like it. I'll I'll look at my saffron in a in a new light now. Now. I'm hesitant to read this one out. Right. But, uh, beer is mostly water, so the type of water used to make it can make a big difference in the taste. Yes. How many different types of water are there? No, well, yeah. Isn't it just H2 and O? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's got other stuff in it, you know, like if it's coming down. Yeah, but then the other stuff makes the difference, not the water. Well, yeah, it's what's in the water, you know. I mean. Hydrogen, we... two hydrogens, one <laughs> oxygen. <laughs> but if you if you go, you know, if you're walking down through beautiful um, forest and you see a stream there, you see there's water and, and what do you do? You you dip your hands in and you drink water. You don't say you're drinking yeah, H2O but, and and other bits. But if it's water, if it's actually water, then it's all the same. Well, it's H2O. <laughs> oh dear. That's a that's a really good question. What is the definition of water? Is it just H2O? I think so. That's what I'm going with, which makes that fact. Or is that, or is water just water a, with a bit of mud in it? And you go, well, that's not as good water as the. So that's what makes the beer not taste as good because they had a bit of mud in the water. They used correct. muddy water. 
Correct. Okay. Gotcha. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. Well, here you go. One more for um, before yeah. we hit the road. Um, well, we won't hit the road because we're in lockdown. But anyway, <laughs> each year the moon's orbit moves about one and a half inches further away from Earth. Really? Yes. Yes. It's an OMG fact. So really, yes. We need to get there soon because that's just getting like <laughs> getting too far away. It's getting starting to get too far. <laughs> One and a half inches every every year. Yeah, every year. Well, yeah, each year. My goodness. Yep. So in the fifty years since yep. we first landed on the moon, it's now. One and a half years, 75, 75 inches further away. Yeah. So I hope I'll... they plug that into the computer next time they go. They wouldn't want to be <laughs> off by. Exactly. <laughs> a little bit when they land, would they? Oh, so my goodness. Since I was born, it's 84 inches further away. There you go. There you go. Incredible. What great it's, facts. That, that's, a, that's a great fact. See? <laughs> that's why um, we wait for this part. Yes. Is that well, all you got? Is that all you got for us? That's, that's it? it. That's it. Okay. That's oh. it for the show. You got to wait for next week. There's some more beauties coming next week. Okay. I hope you. I hope you don't sneak forward in the calendar and look at them. <laughs> no. Oh, good. No. Good. Just read them off as they come. They're all good. Good. <laughs> Except that one about the beer. Anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Make sure you visit pingskills.com. And, of course, thank you, Alloys. Thanks, uh, Jeff, and thanks, listeners. And uh, don't forget, get your comments in, and uh, and you could feature on the great segment of Comment of the Week next week. There you go. <laughs> Indeed. Thanks, everyone. Bye.